Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics? No, no. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the Socialist Community oh, right. Court. Yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I would have been about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. Comrade, 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 comrade. It was in 2009. Oh, well, I can't remember which country it was in. Has changed since those days? No, not particularly. No. If you are caught in a lie or caught intentionally misleading the New Zealand public, how would you expect to be held to account? We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Sustained propaganda. Well, hello, hello. Welcome along to Liberty NZ. My name's Grant Edwards and I uh, hope you join me. I'm sorry we're running a little bit late tonight, but uh, thank you to Carl for popping in. And we've we've got uh, a couple of other people there, but uh, we're hoping that a few more will join. Unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to actually promote this uh, program tonight. And most people think I'm on it not eight o'clock and not nine o'clock. And I think with the daylight saving too, I think America, who which is this uh, pod bean, uh, is a, they probably don't have daylight saving. And so when I type in eight o'clock, I have, well, I have to type in seven o'clock to, for it to come out nine o'clock. And it's all very confusing, but I guess that's just the way it is. Well, first of all, I thought I'd just kick off with um, reading a few news headlines. I don't know if you realize that uh, the High Court has dismissed claims against the Health Minister Andrew Little bought by the uh, retired New Plymouth engineer. A lot of people don't know he's an engineer, Brett Power, in relation to the Pfizer experimental mRNA vaccine rollout. Brett Power had filed in the, filed in the High Court last week, alleging that the minister had breached the Crimes Act by causing many deaths that could have been prevented while making false statements or declarations to the New Zealand people. Brett also alleged the health minister had breached the Bill of Rights. In filing the allegations, Brent wanted Little to be brought to court to answer the charges while declaring the public uh, COVID-19 Public Health Response Vaccinations Amendment Bill was in breach of the Bill of Rights Act and the Crimes Act. Last week, he served papers at the New Plymouth Police Station asking for the immediate arrest of Andrew Little. On Thursday, Brent Power notified police that he would be attempting to serve papers on the minister, Minister Little, inside the Parliament building. He earlier notified police and had asked if there was any legal precedent that would give police authority to stop him. He didn't get a reply. Brent also wanted, uh, Brett also wanted special powers afforded Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern under the Epidemic Preparedness Act to be removed and for the Governor-General to remove Jacinda and her government from office and the New Plymouth Police to arrest, detain Andrew Little, awaiting trial for his alleged crimes against New Zealanders. In a written decision, Judge Cheryl Gwynn, a former meat worker and Crown Law Office employee, I mean, I think <laughs> this is what the mainstream media do to us, don't they? They make us look bad. So I thought I'd just, you know, I just did a bit of research and found out she worked for the meat workers uh, with, as a meat worker in 1982 before she got her first job. She graduated in 1979, so I just couldn't help myself. I just had to throw it in there. It was a bit naughty, I know. Never mind. Anyway. Um, she said in her written straight statement that Brent's uh, statement of claim was lengthy. She, all, she also said, I think I remember her saying that it was, um, it was just, uh, uh, it was full of witnesses, I think. And I mean, I think that's a pretty good thing, isn't it, to have it full of witnesses? Anyway, so um, she obviously doesn't like reading information negative to her position. But uh, she said, in general terms, 
Mr. Powell's complaint, so far as I can discern them, uh, that the defendant has relied on falsified information taken from, the defendant, of course, is Andrew Little, taken from what are alleged to have been fraudulent clinical trials of the vaccine in order to pass COVID legislation. Mr. Power also pleaded that the vaccine is not a traditional vaccine. It is a genetic uh, altering serum, which does not give lasting immunity. Uh, nurses at a Wellington makeshift vaccination clinic found a man attempting to get his eighth booster shot on Wednesday afternoon. The man was responding to a government-initiated booster for cash program, which could earn him and others keen to respond $200 a jab. Well, they only offered me $50. How come he gets $200 and I only got $50? I think it was a voucher for pack and save. Capital and Coast Health, uh, Health Board and the Ministry of Health are aware of many other cases like this and said the police were investigating. Uh, would they be investigating the government for the jab for cash program as well, I wonder? In a statement, Ministry of Health spokesman Kathy Bell said that the man had put himself and those whose doses he was receiving at risk. It's not like he wasn't encouraged by the government, was he? And I'm sure there's plenty of vials left with all the hesitancy as it increases. He was only stopped because he was overheard bragging to his friends on his cell phone. There are many reports of people as young as 12 receiving government-funded jabs for gain. A group of New Zealand-trained nurses, some working with COVID and vaccine-injured patients, will be forced to leave the country because they can't get visas to stay here. That's despite the nursing shortage so big that it's at crisis levels due to nurses and doctors walking off the job because of vaccine mandates and mounting vaccine injuries are putting incredible pressure on hospitals. The government offered a one-off residency visa to registered nurses for overseas, but migrant nurses who were newly trained in New Zealand, did not qualify. The Medical Council has confirmed Murapara GP Dr Bernard Conlon has been suspended. Bernard is not an anti-vaxxer, but he has never wavered from his position of informed consent and not bowing to the government telling him how to practice medicine. Many eminent doctors all over the world have shared Bernard's views that the mRNA vaccine is in fact gene therapy injections. A junior doctor who worked as a temp for Dr. Conlon wrote a COVID-19 response, uh, sorry, wrote to COVID um, Minister Chris Hipkins late last year, concerned that Conlon was prescribing vaccinated patients, sorry, describing them, I should say, as magnetic in records, uh, but Bernlin, uh, oh, here I go, making a big mess of this. Bernard Conlon said he cannot lie about what he saw with his own eyes and with one particular patient presenting with these symptoms. Did that make any sense? Did it make any sense to me? In the statement, the Medical Council Chair, Dr. Curtis Walker, said Dr. Conlon has been suspended uh, pending investigation. He said Council's primary purpose is to ensure that doctors are uh, competent and fit to practice to ensure the health and safety of New Zealanders and we take these matters very seriously. Yes, I'm sure you do when they don't do what they're told. They don't follow the government orders. Dr. Bernard Conlon has already told uh, patients in a Facebook post earlier this month that suspension was coming, but the Medical Council would not comment at that time. In the post, he said the decision was disappointing and frustrating to fathom, and the future of Mirapara Medical Centre was uncertain. Meanwhile, a Wellington psychiatrist, Dr. Emmanuel Garcia, has stopped, was stopped from practicing last December pending an investigation 
and his pro-vaccine choice messaging, as were fellow doctors Dr. Peter Calliday and top epidemiologist Dr. Matthew Shelton. And that is the news. And in a moment, we hope to be speaking with Carl Bromley. The whole thing's bloody retarded. I've, I've just had a really nice night in Chalpo with a motelier and... Um, Anyway, he and I had a long talk in the garden this afternoon. Uh, turns out he's a keen gardener, and um, and he's gay, and we had this really good long conversation. So what started off being, oh, don't know about this. Uh, I said, you know, we had a good, good, good civil conversation, and it turns out that, you know, he. I just said to him, look, just I'm a businesswoman. I I respect your business, and the place in Wellington cancelled us because we're not Vax passport. But, you know, they didn't tell us, so we'll get our refund. But it took me literally five minutes to contact one of the organisers down in Wellington and to get accommodation. And um, I don't want that to happen to you and your business because I want moteliers to survive because I think you do a great job. And so, you know, can I take your business card and pass it to heaps of my friends from Walkworth who are coming down rather than us having to resort to staying with, you know, being billeted by people in Wellington? It's just, you know, it's dumb. We destroy your motel industry and hotel industry so he was really grateful um but you know <laughs> oh, God, this is so retarded anyway i just said to him look just just do us a favor just don't criticize the protest movement even though i understand what you're saying that with international visitors about to come if we have civil unrest this could damage your industry just hold the line because everybody's we're all coming to the truth together on this one. Just, you know, look after yourself. So anyway, he came to that agreement, so that was good. Okay, hey, take care. So this is going to become a bit like pork pie, I think, the journey from Auckland down to Wellington. We've just had a great chat to two third-year law students who are going from Auckland down to law school in the South Island. And we've given them a challenge. We've said to them, look, don't use your vaccine passports at all. Try and get from Auckland, from where you are now, Taupo, down to the South Island destination with no vaccine passport, no mask, no tracing. And you just use just use your wit and see if you can do it because we can do it and we're older than you, so you can do it. Big smiles all around. Um, these, these young men are fully aware of what's going. They want to stop at the protest, but they've got to get to university on time. And they are in full support and they're really, really upset. And so we told them about some of the other university students that have pulled out of university because of the vaccine mandates. And um, they said they were just too far into university. Now, it takes me back to young Ron Gilbert, who was a New Zealand justice. He did his law degree on the Royal Navy ships in the North Sea during the Second World War. So there are young people who are pulling out of university because they realise what's going on and they're now on the front line. We need to push back communism rising in our country and we need to push back what we know is complete breakdown of human rights and breakdown of the democratic structures in our society that have kept us um, a functioning democracy. Now these young people who are third year law are fully aware of what's happening and all credit to them, we wish them well on their way. That was Anne Parrott. Anne was on her way from uh, from Auckland, stayed the night at Taupo and uh, she, should be in, she should be there in Wellington with you Max. So just unmute yourself when you're ready Max, I hope you've got an earpiece but um, Carl, I'm hoping to 
say good day to you. How are you, Carl Bromley? That's uh, Pastor Carl Bromley. He's been in the trouble and bit of trouble with the police breaking into his house. How are you this evening, brother? Yeah, good day, Grant. You're looking well, mate. How are you? Yeah, looking well. <laughs> oh, I'm, <laughs> bit, I'm a bit uh, bit shattered. Um, wow, where, I call, I can't say where I was today, but um, because it it will uh, get this fellow in trouble. But he's shown me some papers of uh, uh, records. Um, of nurses in a hospital that have been jabbed and they're, they're all crook, right. all these nurses. And so I hope to bring that bring that to the to the show, but not tonight. Uh, I'm well. And how's, how did, uh, did you manage to get um, past, the, um, past the crook straight to get to Wellington? Well, we, um, we went as far as Kaikoura on the um, convoy the other day. Um, but no, I didn't get across Cook Street, unfortunately. Love to be up there, but... Uh, Mm. Got uh, commitments here in Christchurch to hold me here. Unfortunately, in terms of uh, wanting to be up there, but uh, doing what we can to support the yeah. local team here. We had a protest here. I saw the uh, Justice Precinct uh, uh, the day before yesterday, and uh, well, I expect it was yesterday actually, and uh, went very well. Over three hundred people. Um, interesting. They went uh, to do a protest today, and. Uh, they pulled up to the Justice Precinct, really some of the uh, common law people going to serve papers, and uh, you wouldn't believe it, but the uh, Central Christchurch Police Station happened to be uh, temporarily closed. Funny thing. As the march of about 2,000 people turned up. Um, you wouldn't credit that with you. Christchurch Central Police Station temporarily closed um, to avoid the uh, protesters and uh, common law people, I guess, serving them papers. So... Uh, <laughs> John yeah, Ansel said that the Wellington um, railway station toilets were closed as well. I wonder why. Fancy that. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking with Max Babe in a minute. Max is there at um, Parliament. He's been there awesome. since the beginning. Um, Fantastic. Anything more to add from your end in the South Island? Uh, um, not really. I think um, you know there's a lot of support down here and a lot of people are uh, moving up the island to – I think there's about 3,000 people at Picton, apparently. Imagine if the Cook Strait wasn't there, mate. All those 3,000 people would be uh, camped out in Wellington as well. So mm. uh, the government's, I guess, uh, probably counting their lucky stars that the Cook Strait exists. And um, I think ferries were cancelled today because of the so-called cyclone coming. That's the other thing. Is this a, is this a cyclone coming? Is it going to be that bad or is this just um, it's, it's some not kind of excuse they're using to put people off? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. 40 knots. <laughs> 40 knots is nothing for those guys. They can handle that. No, any excuse. To shut to yeah, shut them yes. down to stop us. Uh, we had reports of um, just south of uh, sorry southbound north of Wellington of uh, roadblocks, yeah. but I don't know. I can't verify that. I don't know if anyone can. If you're in the chat there, you could, if you know that that actually happened, that would be illegal, wouldn't it? That would be against the Bill of Rights to stop people from travelling freely without without any good reason. Well, that would be against the Bill of Rights, but it doesn't matter yeah. in a totalitarian state what's legal and right and just is uh, out the yeah. window of this government. It certainly seems that way. Mm. Um, we've got Michael Key listening too. Michael's a conservative. He's got his own podcast in um, America. Um, you'll be we're happy to, for you to join us, Michael, if you want to later on. Um, in the meantime, let's go to Wellington and Parliament Buildings, uh, the Right Honourable Max Babe. There you go, mate. Good, you're nice and quiet. I thought it'd be really rowdy. We we in the in the back seat of the car or something? Uh, down in your broadcasting down, uh, studio. Side of uh, the beehive down the big steps down the side there, parked down oh. there. And, uh, um, now new everyone's free car park. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us 
what what happened today? Actually, give us a bit of a brief. Can you give us a brief rundown of what it was like um, at the beginning, and then um, what it's what, and then perhaps maybe talk a little bit about the violence that you saw. Um, what was that on Wednesday? I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, Thursday. Yeah, that was Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, and then the big change, and then um, of course the um, yeah. You you tell us what you saw um, right okay. up, and then today as well, so, um, just to cap off. The, the journey down was uh, long and slow. Um, most of the convoy, we sort of maxed out. They legally were only allowed to go 70 kilometres an hour, I think. So we were often crawling around 40, 50 k's a lot of the way, um, average. Um, dinner at Mercer, stayed Hamilton in a um, uh, place that uh, my mate met um, at the dinner. So next day, we came down through to Palmerston North. Stayed there, then down to here, <clears throat> found parking. It was atrocious getting in. The, the road, as soon as the the convoy hit Wellington, it was just uh, started stopping the city straight away. Um, it took us probably an hour to get off the, the highway down the waterfront um, to park on the corner, um, on, the, on the waterfront, uh, the road that goes up to the Parliament House. Um, and it was just chaos for all the traffic coming in. The road from the waterfront straight up past um, the government building, Parliament House and the Beehive, um, chock-a-block full of cars and trucks and <laughs> buses, um, and it's still blocked now. Um, there's cars. I haven't been for a walk right around the block, but there's probably cars all around the um, curbs. Um, when we got in... Uh, Tuesday, um, the music sort of started going. People started setting up uh, very sort of uh, lively. Um, the journey had ended, so we were glad to be out of the cars. Hmm. There were only two and then four security guards, uh, parliament security guards up on the um, forecourt, and um, we were allowed up there. They just had the steps to the parliament house roped off. The next morning... Um. <clears throat> oh, well, that that was it. That evening, um, I think it was that evening. Uh, the um guy turned up uh, who tried to deliver the who was going to deliver the um note. Noticed uh, was it um Bridget Powell? Yep. And um, he warned everybody. Yeah. Uh, um, there were a couple of police there. I think there were four in the afternoon. When you say he warned and everybody, do you mean he just... He warned everybody that he was going to do it, notified everybody. Not that he was going to serve him. little, yeah. Yep. Yeah. The next day, there were police there um, in the morning, uh, a few of them, maybe sort of, um, I don't know, maybe, oh, I don't know if it was 20, maybe, maybe 20. And then before it came to three o'clock when he said he was going to do it, um... There were about two o'clock, a whole heap more turned up. He served everybody the notice what he was going to do again, told everybody on our team that uh, if they broke through, they would probably be arrested as well, so they shouldn't do it. And he was going to go through, it would be best if they just let him walk through. The police were in um, joint arms, and, um, well, just about, they lined up uh, two rows, and... 
Um, the guy tried to go through. There was push against him. So the others uh, from our team pushed as well uh, right across the whole front steps um, where you go up onto the foyer. No punches were thrown. Uh, it was just a big, like a big scrum ruck. Um, mm. He apparently got through uh, somehow. Maybe he just ripped through <laughs> uh, to get him through so they could throw him on the ground and arrest him. And someone else was arrested too. So then someone got up and they were yelling on the um, bullhorn to calm down, to stop, just uh, call it quits, peace. This was after, um, on, on after your a few minutes, protest it a side. After a few minutes, it all quietened yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Um, half an hour later, the music was back on. The police was stood back a bit from the thing, but they were still there in strength. And the music was going and the festivity started. It was just um, business as usual. They tell me it's more like a festival, isn't it? It's yeah, a festival yeah. now. It's not like a yep. protest. It's a, people having a good time and just catching up. Yeah, and it's um, but the next day, <laughs> oh, I see. Um, the police were there in force, um, right along the front, uh, right up to the steps. Before they'd been stood back um, through the day. After the ruckus, they were at the the uh, steps up onto the foyer. The next day, they were lined all around um, the whole area up there. Uh, <clears throat> we couldn't get up onto the foyer at all. Later uh, that day, someone came in and um, read us the notice up on the top that we had to leave. The, the morning, the, the, the evening before, I think, that's when they came in and tried to, two council workers, I think, came in and tried to serve us people the um, trespass notice. No one would accept it. And they sort of pushed them over to the wall, uh, just below the steps to the foyer. It was calmed down because they've got um, steel gates across there. It was calmed down, and um, after two security guards, security guards came down, they got knocked around a bit mm. or pushed. No punches thrown. <clears throat> In the papers that said this, uh, the council workers were um, assisted by police. There were no police with them at all, just political lies. <clears throat> the next day, the police shot down out into the far end of the um, forecourt, out into the um, grounds, and people just went down there towards them. <clears throat> there ended up being a row front facing them and a row facing the back, and that's when all the um, trouble started. Um, the police were right along the front, quite closely together. Down there, the side bit where they went out, they were all lined together. As you saw on TV, you would have seen on there that they just, um, they were there for business, and business is what they did. We'd all been uh, schooled in, we're here for peace, peace only. No violence, no punching, no um, uh, out of line stuff. So we just held our peace. We had our piece. We held our line. They were sitting down. They ripped them out. Um, twice they took off uh, two loads of people uh, arrested. There were probably about 60 people. I don't know where they got the 120, 120 figure from, but um, mm. it makes Somewhere in the middle good. it'll be true. <laughs> well, it makes them sound good uh, to the public, mm. uh, to the sheeple. Mm. Uh, the third time they had a go, they didn't try and drag people away as such. They charged them, uh, like in a scrum. I saw that. Or they're going to yep. tackle them, yep. and they knocked them five metres back. They were I trying to take land. 
so they yep. can start ripping yep. out tents. Yep, I was watching uh, Chantal Baker's video, and there was no doubt about it. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I looked at the, um, I think it was Staff or Herald, and they said that the protesters charged the police. Absolutely no yep. way. I was following it all day. Didn't see any of that. I saw police charging, and it was it was like, um, you know, dolphins uh, corralling fish in a bay. Yep, they were sort of yep. encircling the people, just sitting and, and uh, then they then they use that the um, arrow attack or whatever, where they yep. they charge in and sort That's of drive planned. it open, and they grab somebody and try and rip them out. And there was yep, they did people were used one like a one. tug of war in the bay. Yeah, that's right. Um, but that that was actually quite bad. It was aggression from the police all the way. Uh, they knew it. We knew it. We were being peaceful. Um, the well, cops, police cops are, cops are going to resign. I think one cop was seen taking his badge off and throwing it on the ground and walking I off in disgust. That, um, so I think, from what some people said here, six police or so have been um, um, stood down. Um, they're going to be facing um, assault or whatever. Um, police brutality, I'm not sure which. I mm. think around six or seven police uh, chucked their badges in at the end of that day, I think. Several police said they had detectives and cadets in those lines. Yeah. Some of them, I think, so the story has it, they said if we go out there, you, you try and make us go out there, we're handing in our, our badges they the end. Yeah. Oh, that's and confirmed. Also, and there's a few the witnesses ones, to they're, that. They're, they're traumatized. Yeah, they are. They're traumatized. Yeah. They're just, um, it just be all of them because they've been in that line. They're faced um, charging and they've been sit, standing in that line with people just saying, hey, you, you're traitors. You're on the wrong side. What are you doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just psychological. Um, I didn't agree with it. I've been telling people to stop it. Um, after that, though, the next, that sort of, uh, through the night, it was like, um, are they going to come out and raid? That's That was are the fear, gonna... wasn't it? That was the fear yeah, that they put the lights up. We didn't know how many police were there. There had yeah. a load of police that already arrived from somewhere on the plane. Um, so they had more police out the back. Um, that same day that they'd been doing the rugby, ta rugby tactics, um, <laughs> they also sent a couple of squads down at two times to the other end, and they went down in there to try and start ripping out tents as well. Um, mm. But they all got pushed up onto the onto the wall. People just ran down there and um, they went up against the wall. No punches were thrown, though. Um, one policeman did down there who got injured that day, he whacked somebody in the head over the fence line and he got dragged over. He got hurt because he, he came over the <laughs> um, fence line, landed his, I think, face first on the concrete. Mm. Um so that's where one of their police who got assaulted was um, numbers out of the two. He actually struck somebody and um, came over the fence and landed on his face. So, did you but see? Yeah, the next you might day, be having trouble hearing me. I think um, at the moment. So, uh, um, can you hear me clearly? I can. I turn it up a little bit. I've just done yeah. what you, um, uh, you have. You got down. a head? Have you got? Oh, I see. You haven't got earphones. No, no. Sorry, oh, okay, sorry. no. You go back to what you're doing and just bring the phone up to your ear. Yep, sorry about that, mate. No, 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 it's okay. You, you carry on. Yeah. But um, the next day, that was actually 
really tough on all of us. We just did not know what was happening, what was going to come. We couldn't figure it out. They've become sneaky. They're changing tactics. They're trying different stuff. So that was psychologically um, really hard on all of us. We just didn't know. We heard that there were, they had the right squad coming. They had, uh, by that morning, they had, um, I think, a, a big plane had brought in a, a whole heap of um, police from around the country. So we heard the army was coming in. It was just psychological um, warfare they were using on us. Um, so we were just amped all day, just what's going to happen, what's going to happen. But in the same respect, we just kept the festival going. We kept the music going. There was dancing. There was people uh, playing guitars, uh, like a ukulele, banjo, um, tambourine, um, uh, drums. Um, it was just we carried on, but we were just always had an eye weary. People were just watching for what they were doing. You couldn't really take your eyes off them, uh, the police, uh, at any end. You didn't know where they, they were coming in. They were outside a little bit, so you didn't know if they were going to come in the gates. It was just really um, uh, tense, stressful. Um, sort of, it was sort of scary in some respects. Um, it was just everything was uncertain. But by the end of the day, we sort of figured, well, nothing's going to happen. Um, we got the feeling that they'd sort of done the damage the day before and they weren't allowed to do it anymore. By the end of the day, we sort of had it set that they're not going to come across, they're not allowed to do it anymore. Um, and they weren't. They'd been stood down. They're not allowed to come across those gates, those fences now. Um, the next day was um, a lot better. Friday was uh, quite cool. We just kept an eye, but it was festivities, festivities, festivities. Um, it's just dancing. Uh, there's several groups of music going on throughout the whole the grounds. Um, you got f three, four, uh, five little groups. Um, some with big speakers, PA's, uh, going big crowd there, and then another patch where they might have a smaller speaker, microphone, music going, and then it's just people with guitars or whatever. Uh, in different areas, just playing, and other people hanging around them, listening, singing. And uh, we got a, the Hare Krishnas came in and put on a show for about an hour. Uh, that would have been maybe Thursday night, and they've sort of been living there as well uh, since they got their own tent. And um, I think they by the end of this, they're going to have some uh, new devotes of um, Hare Krishna. Um, today. <laughs> The, the rain um, has come down. There was a bit the other day, but not much. But um, today, what about, what about Trevor Mallard turning on the water sprinklers? Are they still going? Um, they were on, then they were off. I think I'm not sure if they're still going now or not. Um, I think they turned half of them off, uh, and they've turned half the water off into Parliament House. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, good. And then they're blaming. I see that in the in the paper they're blaming the protesters for the, uh, wrecking the ground. You know, digging up. You, you had to dig up the sprinkler lines. It wasn't very deep, but you had to dig them up to divert them from soaking you in your tents. Well, I think Trevor Mallard should be responsible for that. He started it. He he actually yep. got the whole thing rolling. What a stupid thing to do. What what an imbecile to waste taxpayers' money and do something like that. 
Well, they're meant to have a, a water ban on down here. <laughs> so well, they've got an anti-cycling on the way. But, um, but what a ridiculous thing to do. I mean, um, people are buying uh, duck calls. And um, have you seen them, been them using duck calls during the day? Uh, no, nah, just it's been so loud today. It's just been oh, music. Okay. For, on, um, <laughs> and it's yeah, also the mallard. Mallard. It's yeah. It's just like I, I don't know how he, he he's endangering people's health by turning that water on. He's making the ground slippery for them to slip over. There's elderly people here. Yeah. Uh, there's all ages. And also, he's just making the ground wet so they can get booming cold, get uh, sick, get pneumonia. That's right. Um, yeah. And he's just the Speaker of the House. I can't world. believe a man like that would be in our Parliament. Well, what on earth is wrong with him? Have you heard what he's done this afternoon? No, tell us. Sorry to cut he's, you off and uh, all your, your great uh, description of the events this week. He um, decided that um, it's on Chantel uh, Baker's um, uh, one of her live casts. He's um, decided that he's going to participate in some of the speeches um, once they be heard. So he's uh, got his room full of uh, experts and um, they've put together what they're going to um, uh, speak of. And um, he's using the from the windows upstairs of our parliament building he's uh, got recordings i think they were saying of um the covid ads <laughs> and little speakers that he's uh blasting good, out little um yeah. no, uh, good, good luck, covid ad um speeches <laughs> no it's just crazy um polite uh, i'm sorry but he's a tall he's just making making himself look like an idiot um, people are saying saying he's a dick um Anyway, talking about cops, we'll be back in a minute and we'll have a talk to Polite uh, – I can't see the rest of your name. What's it there? Polite, Polite Hammer. We'll be back in a minute and we'll have a quick chat with him because I believe he was there. Don't go away, Max. Just um, mute yourself up. and we'll be right back. Go. Hello. I've just been speaking to one of the ex-cops. He was in the line yesterday when I was talking to him and he's just told me that he resigned and there's nine others so far. And they've had enough. They've had enough of the bullshit. And uh, he just said he wants to stay anonymous, but he said, good on you guys for telling me. He says, we were, we, you guys were persistent in talking to us, and he said it worked. And he says, you know, we've had enough, we've had enough of this bullshit ourselves, but we, we're under the regime. You know? Yep, so there you go. And uh, John Ansell spoke with, um, he had a chance meeting, actually, and he met Brett Power today. And I hope to bring that to the podcast, but probably not tonight because I haven't got time. But um, probably or probably later on when this is finished, we'll play that. But um, the Polite Hammer, you were there. How was it for you? And welcome hey, to the podcast. Can you hear, hear me all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you actually there now? With um, You'll be there with Max, I suppose, or have you come away from the day's events? No, I've come back home uh, for tonight and uh, yeah. planning to head back down tomorrow to take more supplies. Good on you. Where are you living? Where, whereabouts are you? What area? I'm up, I'm up uh, near Ikatahuna and the Tararu is there. So yes, I Yep. You got to take the back route, don't you? And you head up and then hook a right and head back again. Over the uh, Rimatakas, yes. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. Um, go past uh, John Ansell's place in Martinborough there, not yep. far. And, uh, Very good. Yeah. Yeah, John amazing, can't be on tonight. Amazing atmosphere. He can't be on because his phone got wet. Terrible, so you oh, couldn't no. charge it. Yeah, so yeah, and I, I was what? supposed to be at the farm, uh, and I couldn't, um, I couldn't even get internet. So because of the cyclone, I guess I'm only guessing, and uh, so yeah. I thought I'd better head into town. Otherwise, we won't, there won't be this one late. Won't be anything happening. 
Anyway, um, so what's your name? Political Marcus is my Marcus, name. Marcus, good on you, mate. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. Tell us what uh, um, what's been happening. Well, actually, uh, I was hoping to hear Liz on here because she's helping me with a Section eighty three as I'm a Fonterra tanker driver. Excellent. So, uh, I'm getting help from uh, your podcast. I've been listening to it for a long, well, since it started. Oh, um, good. Used to listen to it while I was driving my tanker, but as I as yeah. I'm uh, not no longer a tanker driver. I just listen oh dear! It's um, terrible. Look, Liz is listening. She's actually listening, and I'm trying to get her oh, in. Um, thanks, Liz. Liz. Yeah, if you're listening, you, it looks as though I've invited you in, and it says that you're in there. And others, other co-hosts can probably see you, but I can't see you. And so, usually, it's because the, your microphone is not allowed, or it just could be just a little fault. So, what you have to do is just go out of the, just end the, the your, um, you know, listening to this. What, what do you do? Just end your pod bean. And come back in again and try again, see if that works. Um, yeah, yep. there you go, Liz. Yes, okay, Marcus. Yeah, so you're a tanker driver. Wow, that's just terrible. Yes, yep. And uh, yeah, no, the, yeah, no, Liz uh, gave me a letter to forward on to my bosses, and that uh, that's uh, got them running scared. And you yeah, know, it's uh, she's done she's done amazing work. Um, do you feel that running scared? You is that the is that the impression well, you get? Well, well, they had. Well, they were ignoring me when I was uh, sort of unrepresented, um, sort of just uh, fobbing me off, telling me, you know, come back to work, you're being silly. And yeah. then she sent a letter, and uh, they were they were threatening me with unpaid leave. And then uh, after her letter, they've uh, yeah, I'm, I'm full pay, and they're uh, I haven't spoken to them in over a week now. So um, that's good. You can catch up around things around the house, play with the kids. Well. And uh, well, and and go down to Wellington to support. Oh yes, of course. It's amazing the uh, the generosity of everyone in there. There's just everything's catered for. There's free food. There's water. There's free donuts. There's there's portaloos everywhere, and they're getting changed a couple of times a day, which is which is beyond. I mean that that must cost a lot of money. Whoever's so, donating to those portaloos. So we don't know who that is, do we? Does anyone have any idea in the chat who, who would be doing that? Maybe it's the companies. Well, I don't know. I asked around because I wanted to donate to whoever was doing the portalers because I know they're, they're expensive to uh, hire yeah. those portalers. And there's yeah, probably 30 of odd of them there. So, um, And without without that kind of stuff, you know, this, this probably wouldn't be able to happen. So, Yeah, that's um, right. It's always a big thing. Max, um, I think he might have an idea. Who do you think? Well, can Canada. Gave in a, a big donation, apparently. Oh, really? Oh, right. Uh, they they gave a bell. But uh, a lot of other people, I'm not sure, they've just announced today that they um, don't want cash donations. They said go up to their main office there, uh, up near the um, food tents, and ask how you can help out, where you can uh, get stuff to donate, mm -hmm. uh, like food or resources. They don't want cash because that gives them logistical prop, uh, logistical issues and also tax issues and things like that. So, well, there's, Just when we went and asked if, we went and asked if we could donate to the food tent. No, carry on, Marcus. Carry on. Oh, you know, we went up and asked if we could donate, and they said the same thing as uh, Max just said. Um, and they they pointed us in the direction up the hill towards uh, a new world, I think it was. about It's about 500 metres up the road. They said, just mm. go up there and buy some bread and butter and eggs. That that would be way more helpful than money. So that's what we did. So, yes. mm. Jasper, you, you wanted to tell us about Portaloo, something a bit of a struggle to get and pick to know. 
Yeah, the night uh, we were in Christchurch, that was uh, Waitangi Day. I had just done sort of joined a VFF online web- webinar updating from with other coordinators across the country. And uh, right as I hung up, I got a call from the Picton uh, team because the next day the convoy was moving there. And they said, we saw the amount of people. They didn't expect because the video I was showing around, we had close to 500-odd vehicles there. They said, our Portalu guy has canceled on us. They had put in an order of a dozen or something. And the Portalu company came back to them and said, it's a health and safety issue for us if we expose our staff, bringing you know stuff down to a field of unvaccinated. Mm. Mm. So... Looks like John Ansell's with us. He has uh, repaired his phone, which got a bit wet. What, did you get the hairdryer onto it, John? How did you sort that phone out? It's a bit hard when they're wet, all that rain. You there, John? Maybe he's ducked off for a cup of tea or something. I don't know. That's all right. Anyway, Marcus, so you're at home and you're heading back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, well, I went to have a look myself to see what it was like because there's even on Telegram, there's just so much misinformation going on. So yes, I just wanted to have a look with my own eyes. Um, I mean, the whole time I was there, I was looking at Telegram on and off, and I just kept seeing posts about the military are on their way, armed defenders mm. spotted there. And it was nothing. It was a music festival, and there was no aggression anywhere. I mean, I I was there yesterday, so the day after. The, uh, the aggression, um, and it was just peaceful and lovely. It was great. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, there's no other place you'd want to be. It's a festival, isn't it, John? A festival atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've just uh, – yes, I, I don't have a hairdryer because I don't have any hair, uh, Grant, but um, much, but uh, the phone is now dried. I'm sorry I can't broadcast from uh, Lake Mallard or Camp Freedom, but it's just the most exuberant uh, experience, really. Every single person you talk to is fascinating because they've all risked big time to be there and uh, they're all full of stories, some tragic, uh, but the overall the overall feeling is one of extreme um, celebration. And even when Trevor Mallard comes across the, it's a bit like, you know, Chairman Mao addressing the, the um, the proles, you know, or, or Stalin or someone, Trevor Mallard ordering us off the premises and everybody laughing. It's just fabulous. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just it's so, something that everybody should do. Everybody should do at least once. So I, I've done it about five times so far and I'm coming back tomorrow. And um, I'm sorry I can't do the soundtrack because um, I have actually packed up for the night because I've, I've got to get back, back to Martinborough so I can turn around and come back. <laughs> but uh, I was at the Ibis Hotel. I don't know what you've played, but um, I was at the Ibis Hotel and came across uh, Brett Power chatting up some policemen and uh, apprising them of his view of their brutality. And they don't take it well, but they these cops, they're lined up under the floodlights and listening to the stupid smarmy ads of the COVID. That's the thing there. It's like bombarding you with Barry Manilow or something as a, tor- a method of torture. This this event, they're bombarding you with their own stupid ads about COVID, with their smarmy little kindergarten voice. So when did that start? The the, the, oh, the COVID the latest, ads. That's the latest. That's the latest tactic. Uh, it's been playing. That was playing for an hour or so, but everyone that, just laughed at it. Nobody takes it seriously. You know, they, they think they're trying to trying to they're trying to 
indoctrinate us really with that crap? <laughs> and, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just a comedy, really. Apart from the fact that people are dying, uh, it's it's a situation comedy. But it's just, it's just the most fabulous interaction of all manner of human beings. And it's not just uh, a party. It's not just a music festival. It's a sharing of information. Every, I've been eavesdropping on all the different conversations I've wandered past, and they're all highly informed. You can't tell anybody anything factual because they all know it. Everybody, we all know each other's information. I've never come across such, a, such an informed bunch of deplorables in my life. Uh, John, you so spoke with Brett Howe today, and and tell us the numbers of police that have uh, have gone on leave and the numbers that well, have uh, he, resigned. Yeah, he was telling me that fifty didn't turn up for work the other day, and uh, uh, twelve had resigned. But uh, as I wandered about, I started hearing higher numbers. But that's the problem with these, all of these. Um, stats, you know, they can be wildly out. Someone said 200 had resigned. Well, maybe they have by now. I don't know. But you have to take it all with a grain of salt. But the... the Sorry um, to interrupt, John. We've just got a bit of a, a strange sound, and I think it might be your volume. Are you able oh, to... You, sorry, yes, I've forgotten the protocol, Grant, that I was uh, supposed sorry to... Sorry about that. I was, I was going actually, to blame uh, Jasper, but I don't think it's her anyway. fault. Yeah. I probably ahead. better stop this, because I've got to hold the phone right close to my face, and... Uh, you don't want the last time I did that, I got a hundred and fifty dollar fine. So oh, good grief! I'd probably yes. better abandon ship. Yeah. But, so when um, do you think you'll be home, John? Sorry, what's that? What, we, what time will you be home? It's got ten to ten now. Cowboy time. Yeah. I'd better bail out because otherwise I end up talking over people because I can't actually hear the other people. No, that's all right. Look, we'll just shut up and you just keep talking. I think it's better that we. I think people want to hear from you about what what you've been up to because I've got some great recordings, but I can't put them out just yet because we're so far behind. But they'll they'll be going out after this podcast. So you carry on and we'll just mute ourselves and listen to you, John. Yeah, I I didn't know that uh, I was going to run into Brett. You see, I was I was just going going down Featherston Street to find a toilet because. uh, the railway station had closed all their mail ones, and they and they and they'd shut the uh, the grill to the subway. The council apparently did that, not the not the railway people. And um, so I'm wandering down, um, and uh, there's Brett Brett Power chatting to some cops, and uh, he was giving them what. For, he's a he's a lovely guy, and he's exceptionally well informed. Uh, he's an engineer. And he knows this whole thing backwards, front and backwards, because he assembled an entire case, spent months and months doing nothing else. He's not living terribly well at the moment because, you know, like everyone else, he's, he, it's costing him. But uh, he he put together a case, just like Rainer Fulmich is putting together a case and Sue Gray and all these people. He put, his, he put together his case from the ground up. He didn't borrow from anyone. He just came to the same conclusions that they did. And uh, he applies his, his uh, very considerable engineering brain to the problem and he's also got alongside him steve uh oh his surname's dropped out of my head but he doesn't like having a surname anyway he's talking about common law and so he's got expert help oh this is the rain bucketing down um he's uh got expert help on the uh on the law as well so um yeah i i hope you'll pay attention to people will pay attention to that particular interview 
because I found it absolutely fascinating just sort of sitting at this guy's feet, in effect, learning what he knows. Uh, it's, it's well worth it. And he gave me about three hours of his time, and so did this other chap. So I hope you, I hope people get something out of that, what this guy knows, because he's one of the heroes. I hadn't really appreciated it, uh, quite how brilliant this, uh, this Brett Power is. I don't know if you can hear anything, because the rain is so intense on the windscreen now. I better go, no, We can hear you loud and clear. We can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Oh, you can? Yeah. But, uh, you know, just just to reiterate, it's just fabulous. Uh, there's, it's, a, it's a real logistical exercise. There's little systems that have been set up, people digging trenches. Uh, it's like it's like a, a sort of happy Gallipoli. There's, 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 there's effectively the people's army um, dug in, and uh, there's certain rituals where you have to stand away so that the, um, the side of the, uh, the tents can be collapsed to let the water down, so it doesn't uh, it doesn't accumulate too much on the ceiling, bucketing down the whole time. But there's people cooking sausages and all manner manner of feeds. All the food is free. It's the cheapest restaurant in town, the best um, the water bottles, anything you need. It's it's um, it's uh, just staggering. Uh, to be a part of. It's almost like it doesn't matter what happens from now on because we've had this experience of being here or there as I as I was. Um, people getting absolutely sodden and loving it. Uh, the Macarena playing, all this, all this music playing. Um, and uh, and then there's Trevor Ballard that comes and, <laughs> and tells us off at periodic intervals <laughs> to mass laughter and ridicule. Uh, now, Anne, our friend Anne uh, Grant has uh, purchased uh, some duck crackers, some duck, you know, duck callers that duck shooters use. I saw to those. To attract the ducks. Uh, and we'll be uh, meeting her tomorrow. Uh, she's dug in somewhere in Lower Hut, billet, billeted with someone, couldn't get a motel. Or she may have a cheap motel now. There are very few motels you can get into now, of course. Unless she had you're, one uh, booked. Uh, unless you're they in, uh, or a beneficiary or something. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so she'll be bringing the duck callers, so that should add a festive tone to it And at Lake Mallard, if it's still raining. But it's just incredible the way that it, the, the rain, the, the torrential rain, which may or may not have been set up by, uh, you know, weather systems that you read about uh, as, as, a, as a weapon to deter people. You know, you hear all this stuff, another conspiracy theory. Well, I'm taking these conspiracy theories a bit more seriously than I used to. I think that's entirely plausible that they could have actually affected the affected the weather now. I wouldn't have thought that a few months back. I didn't agree with a lot of conspiracy theories a few months back. But, uh, you know, there's lots of evidence for it. So, but it's it's failed. It's failed. Now, I did hear, I don't know if you've played this, um, but uh, it was a very encouraging thing that one woman said uh, when I was interviewing Brett. Uh, these women barged up, these groupies barged up and introduced themselves, didn't know that, you know, they were actually in a podcast, but they, they will be. Um, but one of them said, look, she heard that the army have said that they have told the police off. They say, you are acting, acting outside your jurisdiction, and if we're going to side with anyone, it'll be the people. Now, that is highly significant if true, isn't it? Because that's, so good. that means yep. if that's true, if that's true, then that is the kind of military coup I like. Uh, if we can get Ardern et al. in orange jumpsuits because the army intervene, wouldn't that be cool? But don't please everybody go around and say that that's a fact. That's just what one woman said that she heard 
I doubt if she made it up. But Where did you, you know, hear that? Who oh, we heard we heard it on yeah. Liberty NZ. Yeah, it's yes, must be uh, true. Spreading, spreading lie. But uh, no, just just tuck it away as, as as a possibility. I hope it's a probability. I hope it's a fact. But that would be very cool. There's another rumor that the army are in the stadium in the Caketon. Uh, but again, uh, who knows? All of these uh, rumors of uh, battalions of of club wielding police that haven't hasn't materialized so far. But I'd like that one to materialize, eh? That'd be great. It would be a good one. So I better let other people talk, eh? Go ahead, Max. They do actually have the right gear there. Um do they? Uh, Baker was uh, in view of the side of the um, uh, Parliament House where they were taking the people down they arrested and she saw them bringing the right gear, heaps of right gear in. It's all inside our Parliament House now. Wow. Well, let's go. hope they would only ever use that if they would, if the public was silly enough to storm the Parliament. We know that that's not on, but we certainly have the right to be in, on the grounds of Parliament. It's a public area. But uh, Liz told us earlier this week she tried to stop um, Brett Power from trying to enter Parliament because that's that's just one thing that um, that's uh, is is well it's not taboo it is a it's an old established law that you you cannot do that and it's to protect our politicians that we put there apparently but um, trying to get Liz on I think Liz you've got um, got something happening there you might have to just end Podbean altogether and come back and just make sure that your microphone has been allowed uh, that or maybe restart your phone and have another crack because I've been I've tried to get you on about four times because you can explain a lot better than me about why why we can't enter parliament because that, that's probably what some of them would want us to do that um, but that's not what we we can we cannot do that um, it's uh, just a no-no, and you know the reasons why. So if you could uh, sort that out, Liz, it'd be good to have you back. I don't know what's happening with your phone. Um, carry on, Max. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, well, um, on the uh, Wednesday morning, when all the police were there, the ruckus started down the end. Um, the, a policeman came out, a young policeman came out with a box, and he went around collecting everyone's tasers. Uh, I was actually standing there watching him collect them. And um, I think it was on Thursday morning they came out. They had their truncheons on. In the newspaper, it said that the police came out and were going to lay into the people with uh, their truncheons and that. But um, they all had to take them off early that morning. A few of them had them, and they took them all off. Uh, and they were all gone before the majority of people got up. So um, it was just peace and peace reign. I think that if they had the truncheons on, that would have just wound people up. So it was bad enough they were spraying. It's a pepper spray. I mean, the, these the, it was never a riot. They are not criminals. They're mums and dads. They're kids and grandparents. Yep. And uh, I, I've listened to the interview that John had earlier today with Brett Power. And, pe uh, you know, people had broken – they've got broken limbs. Uh, grandparents. Yep. Yep. I mean, well, it's I a serious guys, thing. Several guys who got uh, pepper spray on the face. Mm. They've still got it all over their hat, their clothes and that um, – it was uh, pretty brutal, but um, I think mm. they've suffered. They're going to suffer nationally and internationally for that one. It's, uh, mm. and if the army did tell them you've stepped out of line doing that, um, I, because the word I, is around here with the army, they've said they won't engage us because we're not violent. 
They can only enter if we become violent. Well, I, I, I believed, I was under the impression, correct, impression uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that the army could not be used against the civilian population, its own population. Only the police could, um, could do that. Well, Unless things have changed. Things that, there's a lot of things that they actually aren't meant allowed to be doing, but they're mm. doing to us. Um, just send us an expert on that now. <laughs> a lot of the rules change in the middle of the night, don't they? Yep. And you wake yep. up to a new set of laws. Yep. No consultation, just a new law passed under her regime, under the special COVID powers, and um, there you go. Stuff you. And you Brett, do as I say, I don't listen to you. <laughs> Marcus, you know something about the law change. Tell us about the New Zealand law change, allowing mili the military to intervene. You there, uh, Marcus? The politician hammer, the political hammer. No. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, you, you were saying about, about three years ago the law changed. Did it? Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. They they snuck that in in a in a bill about three years ago to give uh, the where the military could act and under an emergency use authorization, which coincidentally we have now, to, isn't it? It was all to do with the COVID, COVID health response, but they would hardly apply to. So this is across the board now. The military can be called in. Well, was, this has all been planned for a long time. All, all these laws yeah. have been put in place over the last, what, 20 years for this mm. exact purpose. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, we're in, a, we're in a sad state of affairs, aren't we? Um, well, Jaspreet, did you want to say something? We are in a very, very sad set of affairs, down a very tricky tricky slope. I was called, and I think I'd mentioned it uh, recently, and I, I don't even know very honestly if it was the police or not, but I was called from um, unknown number, and I picked it up, and I was asked to confirm, you know, what my Facebook profile looks like. And as you know, I'm banned. And I was told for a post that I had shared, which hundreds had shared, if not thousands, it was an eight-second clip, from, I would say, a St. John's ambulance scanner or some other paramedic services that I had shared. And I was uh, straight away, the call was uh, under the, you were charged under the Fire Emergency and Mobile Communication Act, 1989, if I'm not wrong, and a $30,000 fine. And I spoke and my head was somewhere else, you know, the moment you hear fire. And I'm thinking, he's calling me because I had shared this post about certain fire stations no longer being... Uh, up for duty or due to lack of vaccinated firemen. And when he said fire and emergency, and then he goes on about something, what if it was your grandmother? And I'm like, hey, are we not talking about the same post? And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, this is what I'm talking about. He says, no, 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 it was this. And um, he said, why would you keep this? Why would you share this? I said, well, out of interest, uh, uh, if you do want to know, it is because I have someone who's been in the exact same boat, boosted in a cardiac arrest, being paid no heed to. And he's like, no, 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 can't be done. He didn't want to hear that. And I said, do you want me to delete it? He said, no, Facebook will take it off. I said, all right. And this is, he said, as a warning. And uh, it occurred to me later on, he couldn't have been calling all the hundreds of people who had shared this, just me. So we've, we've reached the stage where they call an ordinary citizen, a farming wife and mum, citing a, a certain act and a $30,000 fine for something that everyone so many others, hundreds of others had shared. So we are certainly down a very tricky slope here. 
Yeah, that's that's weird, isn't it? We're speaking to Jaspreet Boparai. Jaspreet is a farmer in Southland, and we'll be back in just a moment. Today, just now, in fact, when when you rang me, I was in the middle of a call to this person. I don't think I'll identify you because I don't have permission at this stage, but you know the person. Uh, were telling me that a that a five-year-old in Southland has died 48 hours after the jab. And what five-year-old dies at all, you know, in those circumstances? And there's going to be a, a funeral. The death was either in Invercargill and the funeral in Edendale, or the death was in Edendale and the funeral in Invercargill. Supposedly, uh, the theory is that, that uh, this is organized by the government to, to, to um, you know, prevent the supposition that it must have had something to do with the jab. But the news will come out in, in the coming days, no doubt. But, you know, I will be able to say that if, 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 that a five-year-old has died after the jab. And, uh, of course, this is always going to happen. But it does add credibility to what I was saying to these cops today. You know, do you support the murder of five-year-olds? Are you a parent? Oh, I got a phone call about an hour ago um, from Jay um, Radatana and um, Tina, and um, they're going to try and get this mother to get a hold of me. Um, her 12-year-old got offered 200 bucks to get the jab today in Greymouth, and he dropped dead at the jab centre. Um, an hour later, she got an email from the Ministry of Health offering her $450,000. Um, yeah, so we've had another little one die Um so I'm just waiting for the mum to, well, when she wants to, to reach out, you know. Oh, this is bad, mate. This is bad. Hi, uh, family and friends. I just like to let you know that um, my daughter was coerced into getting the vaccine, otherwise she can't graduate. And... She's healthy and fine. She yesterday taken the you-know-what. Um, and she is now in Miramore. She can't walk. Uh, she has nausea. And feeling tired and headaches and nerve problems. And also... Her spine and her back is sore, and um, yeah, it's uh, really sad. I just want you all to know that those of you that said that it's safe to take, better watch out, because I'm coming for you. A friend of mine's son was in Auckland Hospital on Monday um, in the emergency room, and so Starship, and got transferred to Starship. And so in the bed next to them was um, a mother and a five-year-old son who had, um, well, he had heart issues, and so he had been vaxxed because they were talking about it. And one of the things they were going to do was just send him home with some paracetamol or ibuprofen or something, she said, but she didn't even want to intrude too much. So, yeah, he's just five years old. And, um, yeah, she was just there overnight with her son, some medical emergency, not vaccine-related because they're not vaxxed. 
and uh, yeah, just you know, just happening quietly all over. You might have seen in the paper recently that the suicide rate has dropped, which I can't really um, begin to believe, given that Auckland's been in lockdown and um, there are police resigning from the police force because they're so traumatised by having to cut down so yes. many hangings. And um, one policeman contacted us and said he's cut down four hang hangings and one day was his most. And what's happened is the suicide rate has not fallen. The government has, in its great lying wisdom, reclassified suicides as accidental deaths. So suicides are now not called suicides as of last month. They're now called accidental deaths. So the suicide rate will eventually fall to zero because they're no longer classified as suicides. No, that's how you do it. John, are you just about home? Still driving? Uh, hang on. I can hear Hi, the windshield right? wipers. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, no, good. I just thought I'd play some of those because, you know, people need to know it's, it's real that, you know, um, people are being injured by these vaccines. And, you know, just, just on the way home from the farm, I stopped and I spoke to my neighbour. He's been double jabbed. He said, oh, I haven't been feeling very well the last couple of days. And he said, you know, I've been feeling uh, nauseous and uh, sweats. And, you know, it just so many people I talk to that have been vaccinated. Um, a lady across the road in town, she's, she had to get jabbed because she works at a school. They forced her to do it. She didn't want to. Just terrible. And she said she had heart palpitations, went to the doctor. He said, oh, it's not, it won't be, won't be related to the vaccine. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I just can't believe that, the, that our whole country has gone to the dogs over this. I can't believe it. Well, not, the, makes not, no the, sense. Part, not the part just in front of Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's where the well, same people are. Too, yeah. The lunatics are inside uh, the asylum. I think what it reminded me of tonight, though, that is that there is a there is a sector, a section of deplorables. And remember, in in, the, in Trump times, the deplorables were nowhere near as small as Hillary Clinton thought. Well, that was the impression I got tonight. I got the feeling that I was a part of a majority, not a minority. Uh, but then you walk down. The other streets of Wellington, you see these masketeers slavishly wearing their their sort of Jacinda Ardern training nappies, uh, and you think, well, actually, I better I better revise that opinion. But I think they are there for the for the they are there for the taking. They're there for the converting. We've just got to find a mechanism to get through to them. Uh, I think the occupation of the capital city might be one of them. Uh, because it really seems to be growing down that end of town. Um, it's just the sheer exuberance of the people. We're not glum and bemoaning the weather or anything like that. It just sort of ramps people up. You know, ladies flying in from Temuka after other ladies are dragged out by the hair. That's the spirit. That's the resilience. That's the sort of... Well, that's the courage that's being shown. It's not, a, it's not an attribute I had necessarily associated with... New Zealanders uh, in respect of certain other issues of politics, but it's certainly in evidence now. And, uh, you know, you've got people that cannot wait to, to make their way down from Tauranga. I was talking to a woman tonight, she said, I've just come down from, well, it's one of the, one of the groupies of, uh, of um, one of the groupies of Brett, actually. Yeah. Where have you come from? Oh, I've come from Tauranga. Uh, I've just got back. What do you mean just got back? Oh, well, I, I was here a couple of days when I went, had to go home for something. Now I've come back again. 
you know, this is the sort of, it's not unusual to hear things like that. A lot of people from your neck of the woods, including people who know you, <laughs> must uh, interview those people properly too. Mm, and um, really must. It, they're just flooding in from everywhere and uh, nobody's quaking in fear. There are little children wandering about. There are parents who realize that it might turn ugly, so they've got, they've got plans to take their children out. Uh, but generally speaking, I don't think anyone believes that they can lose now. I think, I think, they, I think we realize we're going to win this. And I think the politicians, certainly if, if, they are, if the police are channeling the politicians, then uh, because they'll be receiving instructions from the inside of the building. Oh, I met somebody who uh, showed me a pair of pliers uh, with which he had uh, done some cer certain work on the um, on the uh, the parliamentary garage to prevent the riot squad from getting in or out of it. Apparently, this is just—it's uh, like the resistance, a member of the resistance, I guess he is. Uh, and there's people, uh, people who are doing things which are not necessarily in accord with normal behaviour, but all bets are off. When you're working for a dishonest, when, when you've got a dishonest government trying to control you, then you don't have to play by their rules. They're not playing by ours. So you're getting the sort of the World War Two tactics uh, without, you know, the extremes. But there are some very, very clever people <laughs> operating, <laughs> doing all sorts of practical things to make sure that people are safe and uh, that the country will be reclaimed. And, and the, the politicians seem to be, I mean, I saw something, I think you sent it to me, Jaspreet, that Grant Robertson is behaving like a baby. And uh, yes. bemoaning the fact that uh, people want to hang him for some reason. Or, and there's a sign there that quite, quite yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, saw, he was talking about a sign that compared the prime minister with the 15th uh, March yes, terrorist. Well, that, that would that would be my that would be my handiwork that one. Um, yeah, but if they'd like to consider why, yeah, they should think about this, why those signs were, were done. I'd say they know exactly. Yesterday, when I went, I went into Winton from here for um, this is stand-up demonstration there, and surprisingly, went up there with three other friends and. There was over a hundred people there, and instead of just standing for half an hour, we ended up standing for two hours. But what was really surprising was Winton is a very small sort of a rural service town here, but on the main highway, there were three cop cars there ahead of us already there. A local came up and he told us, he says, "I've never seen so many cops here before you guys came." So very very odd. And my friend uh, who who is a fellow farming mum, she used to actually manage the same farm that we did. She's vaccine injured. She's a trusting soul who took her second shot and fell right at the medical center. She and her two teenage daughters came along yesterday for the first time. And uh, she's been denied thrice by ACC. She's been gaslit by a local medical center that, oh, you know, you've always been a hypochondriac. We are talking of a farming mom who could milk 500 cows solo and then go and coach high school netball, now reduced to taking multiple naps in a day in her mid-40s. And uh, people stood in their, you know, in their truth. We got lots of support from truckers coming and going. Another wave has left today from Southland, the next convoy. They call it the second wave. There's few people leaving tomorrow as well. 
the the mood of the country is certainly electric i have i've been here over a dozen years and i've i sense a change i've never felt quite like this before yeah well it's quite simply that everybody was just uh, holding back I think they're trying to get break down our communications. I'm not sure what's happening there. I think the only thing we can do is mute ourselves when um, keep ourselves muted until we're speaking. I think you go ahead, Max. Yeah. Now there are um, the minority is becoming the majority because as this gets rolling more and more. More people are losing their fear of uh, getting reprimanded for coming out. Now they've got the parliament as a big protest. Um, they've started protesting at police stations around the country. Uh, Hamilton's meant to be over cells are overflowing yesterday um, with uh, protesters. Christchurch, they've uh, video footage of them protesting out there. I've got uh, friends in Whangarei that have said that uh, a couple of police stations up that way have been uh, protested outside. Um, mm -hmm. And now they're actually talking of um, going and protesting outside um, the government house in Auckland. So now people are realising they, they want to come down here, but they can't get here. I'm saying to them, go and protest at your local police station. They're now learning that they can do that. So more and more people are going to start coming out and going down there. It's just growing and growing and growing more out of control. You can see it down here every day. It's just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, today when I went up there because I was held up down below with my car, um, I got up there and I was just like, wow. Um, the um, well, What are they? The, the two Tangata um, Tamaki's biker guys came up and um, – I was down here and I heard them doing their harker up there. It was just such a powerful harker. It was just uh, right up the steps there into the foyer. Um, and everyone just is just coming in and just – the spirit down here is incredible. Um, everyone's here to help anyone with any problem, to talk to anybody. You've got people from every part of this country come together as a big family. There's no racism here. There's no, nothing against religion. Just come in here gives you the right to be part of this big whanau uh, against the common enemy. It's just, it's an incredible thing. This country is coming together now and people can come out of the closet now, so to speak. They're not going to feel they're going to be punished for saying, I don't like this. I don't want this anymore. It's just growing and growing, mate. It's really incredible. Fantastic to see. Fantastic to be a part of. I tell you, mate. Sounds great. Did you want to have a chat, Jaspreet? I see you unmuted. Oh, I, I just uh, following on this on the cops and so on. I feel sorry for most of those guys. Very honestly, the few odd times dealings we have had, you know, occasionally an employee or something else or a theft on the farm, they've been extremely nice, extremely cordial, and it's sad it has come to this. Well, really uh, sad. After watching the video footage of uh, a policeman who would probably weigh 90 kgs doing press-ups on a young Maori boy's head, and after watching another big fat cop put his knee on top of a blanket which was covering a woman's head and his full weight on her, 
um, there are some thugs in our police force that need to be removed. And no, the full agreed, force of our law needs to come down on them. There are some. I think we're in on, on those individuals. We are at the stage where emotions are very high, and we ourselves, I think, shouldn't fall into the trap of letting a couple of because it's the same thing with whenever you have a crowd, they could a couple of uh, you know protesters hell bent on creating mayhem could besmirch everybody else. It's the same thing there, and we yeah. have seen some guys today resign, or at least that's what we are hearing sounds of. So. Let's be careful not to chuck everyone in the same boat. But yes, definitely a sad day for NZ police. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. I think we, we shouldn't generalise. Uh, on the other hand, we, on the other hand, um, I did because I I wanted to I wanted to rattle the good ones by effectively effectively blanketing them and making them ashamed of the actions. And I knew as I was doing it that it wasn't those ones who were doing it, but. Uh, but you know, whatever it takes to shake them and and make them give up their post. But wouldn't it be great if we could persuade one, maybe young cop, to to walk with? I was going to say to walk with Brett Power up the steps, even knowing that he was going to get turned back. But that that would be a single a, a single signal moment, wouldn't it? Um, that could go around the world. One young cop breaks ranks, and that would have a you know, a, 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 a domino effect. I, I take the point that Liz is making about we don't do that sort of thing at, at Parliament. I didn't realise that before. But I think it might take some some heroic act of one of those people to break ranks, not resign, but turn around like we've been trying to tell them to do. Just turn around. The enemy is that way. And that would that would have a ripple effect, wouldn't it? I just want I I just wanted to echo what Mac what Max said. Just wonderful words there. Uh, that's exactly how I feel too. You know, this is it, there's so much benefit from going down to that place. Um, there's the cam the camaraderie, the free food, um, and the feeling that you're a part of history and and this fabulous intermingling and the feeling that we're going to win. Because of that, if that can be multiplied across the country, as Max says, uh, if you can't be in Wellington, a most unlikely place to be trendy, to be fair, um, uh, given its image, but uh, of you know of a government town, but but if you can't be in Wellington at the moment, then do it in Wanganui, Wanganui, or <laughs> um, or, or Tuatapere, but uh, make it spread, and then ra all around the world. It's 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 an addictive experience, actually. Go ahead, Max. And I think it's going to work. Yeah, well, uh, my my friends and that have says, you know, we we got to work. And I says, well, hey, you've got Saturday and Sunday to go down and protest outside your police station, and they're just like, hey, yeah, that's right. So, people are coming down here to Wellington as they can, going home, coming back as they can. They can also do that around their own police stations in their local areas. Go down there as they can, as they can. It's um, it can only grow. It's growing so fast now. It's just incredible. Um, I think that's I think, I think that's right, Max. And today really showed me that because today was when the rains came and Trevor Mallard had turned the forecourt into a lake and all this sort of stuff. And today was the day that the Resistance was going to crumble if it ever was. I don't think it can now. 
Um, I don't think they can do it uh, more. Another funny thing is uh, I've got a photograph I've posted up. The farmers, because of all the mud there now, the farmers have brought in some bales of hay, so they're starting to put hay over the ground. <laughs> the place is going to end up a sty because of the yeah. rain and because of mud putting on these uh, sprinklers. But um, they've got pallets, uh, old uh, pallets, wooden pallets. They've got those now along the bottom of the um, foyer um, on the grass. People are getting pallets and putting them around the place to stand on so they're not in the mud. Um, yeah. They're using yeah. them around outside the barriers out in the car parks and that to set up little sort of uh, walls so they can tie tarps on from their vans and their cars and whatnot to sure. keep them out of the rain. It's just um, there's so much Kiwi ingenuity going in to be yeah. down here. They're going to be here partying in the rain and they don't care. They're going to get around it walk around in their coats, their raincoats. They're going to put up tarps. They're going to put things on the ground. They're not going away. They're going to make some way that they can stay here in more and more comfort, regardless of the rain. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Max, you're a good broadcaster. Should he do is. more of it. He's yeah. been brilliant all week. Absolutely he brilliant. Is. Alistair, you need to talk too, don't you, Alistair? You're, oh, you're on yeah, next yeah. when you can find a gap. Yeah, brilliant. Let me know. Yep, there's a gap. Try now. Oh, excellent. Well, I thought I thought it was going to fall over Thursday, guys. Um, I was following it on Telegram and I was listening on the Zello app, and that, that app's been amazing for uh, for people uh, people that are coordinating that are doing a fantastic job. They've got moderators and a social channel. And I heard Fiona, an ex-police uh, officer from Fielding, I heard she got pepper sprayed and arrested on Thursday. And I was like, oh, to hell with it. I was coming down for the weekend. I thought, oh, no. I've got, I, I called into work and said, look, I've got a family crisis. Uh, I've got to go. And I um, yeah, I drove down to Wellington. I filmed one TikTok on the way down and said, I'm off to Wellington. Go and find me some freedom. And that actually went viral and started a huge conversation. So I'm sort of educating people through TikTok, which I never really thought would be my thing. I'm very amateur at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I got down there. and Thursday was a shambles um, yeah, as far as the police were going. They were, they were totally misbehaving, um, and they tried to break the line quite a few times. And I went and joined the line and had some really interesting conversations with uh, a few of the arrogant police officers, uh, and they started off like this. Oh, I know you. Our kids go to school together. Hey, you, I think I'm going to see you at the next family reunion. And they were just hard out looking at me like, who the hell are you? Like, you know, shit, do we know you? And I said, the thing is, we're all family in New Zealand. We've only got two, two degrees of separation. Hey, you are going to run into these people, you know, and they're going to run into you. This is your family out here, and we really need to calm the situation down, you know, because – Family don't fight like this, not when everyone's having a good time. And I think it made um, a bit of an impact on quite a few of them. Um, so that was my little story about it. That's brilliant. That's a good story. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I um, also talked to a couple of the, just the snooty ones, the ones that are looking at you condescendingly. And a couple of the young female cops were uh, were looking at me uh, very con – looking at all of us with, with disdain. And uh, I said to them, I said uh, – very lucky that uh, people like us fought fought for women's rights, eh? Because it was people yeah. like us that, that that fought for women's rights, so you could actually be a police officer, eh? Otherwise, you'd be in the kitchen, eh? But it's people like these guys, eh, that stood up 
uh, stood up for um, for justice and stood up for freedom. Hey, it's, it's all about freedom. Hey. Well, everyone's so got a different idea of freedom, but that's okay because you know we're, we're, we want to be free, and everyone's going to have a different yeah. idea of what they what they want in freedom. Isn't that but right? it's not so. But it's not something that the ninth floor of the beehive can just. There's no switch up there called the freedom switch, mm. and you can't just grab that switch and say, "Oh, we're going to turn freedom off for two weeks," and mm. then it becomes two years. And it's not freedom when they give you uh, privileges. That, you know, when they say, <laughs> "Oh, you can not- you can come out of Auckland now," that's not freedom. That's not freedom. We fought, especially in the West, uh, we have a, a tradition of fighting for freedom. Freedom's not free. Every right we have has to be fought for. And if you look at the Springbok tour, you know, there's a very divisive um, uh, event. But, um, yeah, they change people's opinions, you know. And then the, the civil rights movement in America with you know, Martin Luther King, you know, they changed people's opinions. Um, by by standing because if you're standing for freedom, you can't be on the wrong side of, of the argument. That's quite right. Um, does anyone know what's been going on in Melbourne? John G's just saying something's been, something's happened in Melbourne. Um, John, would you would you be care to elaborate on that? Um, if you don't mind, does anyone else know? Because I I haven't been uh, the last few hours. I've been sort of travelling and had my head down. But um, the Canberra, Canberra stand today at the parliament, and it is astonishing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a million people there. There's, there's big numbers being talked about, and you've got to discount a lot of those. But if you're anywhere, if you're anywhere near, following a couple near, of senators, Aussie senators, and they were both their pages were saying near a million, near a million, but whatever it was, the drone footage was astounding. Wow. Wow. Is that, is that really because of um, the leadership of Ricardo Bosi, perhaps? I haven't really been following it. He seems capable. I think people have had enough. Melbourne was the most locked down city in the world, 240 plus days out of 365. We are just a wee way behind it, catching up, and everyone is over it. They're just worn down, aren't they? Yeah, Everybody is. It is. Um, who is that senator? That, um, who was that Australian senator that, that had um, people in his office? It, it actually died after having their jabs. Does anyone remember? He was a rural was guy, wasn't he? I remember him wearing a Stetson yeah. something. I'm just hunting for him now because I'm sure. Yep, I know exactly. And he mentioned that out of nine people in his office, eight had <laughs> had worst reactions. One was fine and... One had even passed away. Yeah. But he was, was only one. I thought he said two. Oh, I can't find it now. I think yeah. that's the thing that not enough people, I don't think enough people know about the extent of the adverse reactions. No. If they right. did know, this, we wouldn't have such a problem convincing them. I don't think the word has got out enough. That people are people dying, that this. teenagers are dying, that children are dying. They just sort of laugh it off. I just got one, a famous broadcaster, Phil O'Brien, who I've always admired and who I used to know for a while. Uh, he's just laughed at one of my Facebook posts, which I'm unable to comment on because I'm banned for the next several lifetimes, I think. But there he goes, laughing at a, a post about 
uh, teenagers dying. He he doesn't clearly believe it. Well, so the media we've still, got, we've still got a bit of work to do. Mm. To, to, and that's really that's why it's going to take one of those parents to to be either shamed or to or to or to speak out, as is rumoured to be about to happen with one who turned down eight hundred thousand supposedly um, in blood money. There's so it's, much it's, evidence for that. It, it's it's, it's evidence, but it's not proof yet. It's it's it's, yes. it's sort of evidence, but it's not proof mm. until. Mm. They need to One come of out. Those like, there's some good season. news today on the children's vaccine front. For the under fives, if you remember, last week, or it was sometime in February, in the last 12 days, so FDA, there was an application filed by Pfizer with the FDA for a EUA, an emergency use authorization for the shot for children under five. That decision has been reversed. Pfizer has pulled out its application for the EUA, saying that it doesn't have enough data that it's effective. And Mark, it has just been at most 10 days before they're putting in a, an application saying they have reams of data to prove this is safe and effective and it's urgently needed to a complete turnaround today. Do you think it's going to tip like, like the fall of the Berlin Wall? You know, there'll be one little crack that some bureaucrat gets something wrong and says you can, you can I forget what it was, but... Someone, someone got an instruction wrong and opened the wall by opened the opened the Brandenburg Gate by mistake or something, <laughs> and then everyone poured through and it was all over. It, it seems to require some act, like it's a an act like, of. I don't, uh, what is what is more damning than this? That an agency, which was talking about because uh, what's the head's name, Walensky, I'm forgetting the lady's first name, between her declaring that everything is all ready and the EUA should be, emergency use authorization should be done shortly to a complete about turn. Yeah. It, is, yeah. it says volumes about what sort of processes go in and what sort of due diligence is done. Of course, we know there's nothing really done. But for them to admit it, that no, they didn't have enough uh, info to even file that EUA in the first place, it's stunning, I thought. For the tipping to begin, it's like there will be a building up of views within Parliament or within these state bureaucracies. There, they will already be dissent um, within these organisations. It just requires something to tip. And in that in, in that instance, Jaspreet, I suppose that's what happened. It wouldn't necessarily have been one person. It was a whole bunch of people suddenly went from being the minority to the majority, and that, mm. that caused them to complete about face on what they'd said just a few days or weeks ago. But it, it, it's not necessarily one person just changing their mind. It's a, it's a tide. Yeah, it it will be, and when it comes to kids, we are already. It is. It gets to be a completely different ball game. I remember Dr. Peter McCulloch saying last year, sometime I don't know where he says at the end, he says it'll come down to the mothers and the nurses. He says don't count on the doctors; they will go to their grave denying anything wrong with this one. He says because they won't be able to live with the admission that what they thought they were doing, you know, to save their patients, was in fact harming them. But he was very clear it'll come down to the nurses and the mothers. And yeah. Yeah, and more to the point, they won't be able to live with that, plus the fact that they have taken $300 times 
however many patients they've got, 5,000. So they've been massively personally enriched by it, and they took that money. Um, that's that's a double a double problem for them, isn't it? Mm. Nothing so says they, they it is about your health. Nothing says it's about your health like New Zealand. It now uh, last year's GP of the year, Dr. Glenn Davies from the Topo Medical Center, has been mandated out last month. So going by the fact that he only left Topo Medical Center in mid-January, that tells me he took one shot and not the next. And yet, it's all about health. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, we can't forget about doc, what Dr. Elena said, that parents that have been, that have lost children to this, and we know that um, Linda Warden's told us that over 600 they have on their books, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and 300 confirmed, and yet the government's only admitted two mm. um, parents that have been offered money to be quiet. Mm. Those people, they, they are despicable. We could feel sorry for them. Yes, you've lost a child, but now you, you're, you're going to cause the death and injuries of other New Zealand children for not speaking out, you're taking the money. And if, if that's true, and I believe there's too many witnesses that it is true. I don't know if it would just be money alone, Grant. It would probably be some sort of threats as well. I don't think, mm. honestly, I'm parent myself, I don't think any parent can be bought by just money. There would also be some sort of fear put into them for something. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine what that could be. I don't know, another surviving sibling, other kids. I don't know. We, we live in very strange times. Unreal, mm. surreal. Yeah, I just, I just cannot, um, I just, I still feel like I'm living in the twilight zone. Um, it, it was wonderful news to hear uh, Brett Powell's interview, John with Brett and this woman that I think it was about four minutes and I'm going to play it right after this podcast. So that'll be coming up in, in just, uh, just over half an hour. Um, I, I couldn't get over... Um, the army, if it's true that the army would not have, will not have a bar of it going against the people. And another person, um, Mark Nichols, do you remember him, John? He, he said similar yep. things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, yeah. He told me, um, and this is a guy who said that he's got a, a neighbor in Devonport Naval Base decompression chamber bleeding from every orifice. So that was another, uh, and also a, an employee whose 49-year-old uh, mother, no, wife or mother had died. So he's got quite a few stories for us. Um, but yes, he said he was in the military and he, in his opinion, there's, there's no New Zealand soldiers that would, that would um, attack their own people or very few. So they, that, that's an impossible, that's an impossible thought based on his experience anyway. Unless they do something to them. I mean, there's was, was rumours rumors that the Japanese, who I find rather mild-mannered people um, now, but they were, they were dosed up, weren't they, on, uh, on pee or something? Or, you know, they can do things to people and there's all this transhumanism and all these, all these injections going around. Who knows what they might be able to do to these despicable people to, to weaponise decent people. But I'm just making this up as I go along. I have no evidence that that's happening. But if I was a baddie, I'd be I'd be looking at doing that. If I was a baddie in charge of an army, I'd be looking to 
to turn decent, mild-mannered people into, into monsters by some chemical means. Anyway, there's no evidence that that's happening. And, and uh, certainly Mark, is it Mark, thinks that that's, that's an impossible thought. But, in, but, but Jaspreet has told me today, you know, what it was like in, in India with 5,000 Sikhs killed in a day, I think it was. Um, obviously 9, that... Yeah. 9,000. It's, it's, it's capable of, you know, people are capable of doing that to, to groups biblical, for the sake of the team. You know, they don't those, like to step out of ranks, numbers. step out, mm. of, out of line in these organisations. And I've seen what it's like being in a crowd, and if the crowd was turned against against normal morals, they might well go along with it uh, just to be one of the guys. Like you know, that's how it like is. That so that's the, that's the horrible thought, is they might be able to turn into an, uh, an enraged mob where people do what they wouldn't normally do just to, just to be cool. Pretty much as you mentioned here, like the army is uh, you know, not. saying that oh, they, are not, they are not stepping in. The same thing happened in India. When that was going in, there was a weekend given to the mobs at Delhi. The Indian army was stopped 15 kilometers outside near Delhi. And there was repeated calls from the chief of army staff to the acting prime minister because the prime minister Indra Gandhi had been shot and killed, which is when these riots began. And the chief of army staff kept on asking the acting prime minister, the president, for you know orders to step into Delhi. They were told <laughs> that when a big banyan tree falls, things, uh, the earth around it shakes. So in effect, let the people get there, you know, let them go bloodthirsty, let them quench their thirst for blood and then we'll come in. And when the army entered, was allowed to enter 48 hours later, within 15 minutes, everyone, everything done, gone. No more writers on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what would we do? What would you do if you were... If you, what would you do if you were Jacinda Ardern at the moment? Well, apparently she rings uh, rings up somebody that um, I can't. Uh, there's so much information coming in, I just can't remember where I heard or saw this. But apparently, they said she rings my dad every night in tears. She doesn't want the job, but I'll tell you what: if she goes and Luxon gets in, we are going to be in a worse situation. Than we are under her, into the fire. because he is a globalist through and through. He's just like Keith, but I think he'll be worse. As we've been chatting here, Matt King has just delivered a speech in the Parliament. I see. Good. In the Parliament. Um, ah, <laughs> on the steps. Ah, yes. is he? It's good to see you all in Parliament tonight. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the steps. Well, you can't get on the steps, can you? Oh, maybe they'll eat him. He's on some sort of steps there. Yeah. Oh. Do you know about that, Max? Can you hear him? You're there. Uh, no, I can't hear very much at all at the moment. Um, where have you, where you ducked off to? The rain's just about um, blown uh, my car away. I'm down the bottom of my car. It's uh, just so stormy out there at the moment. It's going to be um, nasty. Do you think you'll be all right to stay another couple of months? Uh, yeah, I might. Um, I'll whip over to your place and check the um, tomatoes in the, the veggie garden. Well, they're going to be overgrown, mate. It's uh, going to be wild and woolly when I get back up there, but um, I'll just oh, deal with it as I go. It's uh, it's worth it. This is my, sort of my priority at the moment to try and get this country back to some sort of normalcy and by getting these mandates removed. Um, 
Jacinda's going to keep doing what she's doing, which is just avoiding it and staying away. She was in Auckland the other day. Today, I think she's in Christchurch. She's meant to be in Christchurch. Uh, she's just keeping away. She's got Mallard and Grant just being goons, just uh, running their mouths off, doing um, whatever to create as much controversy as they can. Um, but the fact is uh, I'm posting up videos of uh, what I take and when I can get up there and when my battery and my phone is dead. Um, and I'm putting them up uh, onto um, public uh, all my friends are getting them, their rap that I'm getting it and posting it out to them so they can see what's actually going on here instead of the rubbish they're reading in the papers. They're passing it on to their friends. Uh, and this is everyone else here is doing the same thing. Uh, you've still got shit. You've got the likes of Chantal Baker. You've got um, the code for this. And you've got so many different uh, groups here taping stuff, videoing stuff and putting it up. This stuff has gone international as well as national. Um, you've now got Joe Kogan or whatever his name is, uh, Rogan. Um, he has now contacted uh, people and they put up a announcement today, this, uh, uh, this evening, um, or during the, the speeches, I actually put, put a uh, video up with it uh, being announced. He's wanting all footage to go to him, good footage of the good and the bad, so he can put it together and he can get on this case as well. He's jumping on this to start promoting this as well, to start pushing for New Zealand's um, uh, get rid of the mandates as well, apparently. So this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't think that Mallard, Grant, Jacinda can stop this. Um, I think if the army jumped in now or the police came in and went uh, uh, aggressive now, the shit would hit the fan literally nationally and internationally off the record, mate. It's just, um, it's getting too big to stop it now with uh, force. They're going to have to come out now and um, have a mediator. There has been talk down here again and again talking about Winston coming down here and mediating between two parties. But so oh, far, God. we oh, haven't God. seen Winston. Please, uh, please, uh, please don't. Please, well, please, given him nobody yeah, do that. Winston for me is the once. reason we're in this mess. Yeah, fool me once and you can forgive that. Fool me twice, oh, well, and but fool Winston's me three times. Forever. Yeah. But Winston's no, been no. Rodney forever. Hyde, yes. Rodney Hyde's that's a listener of this program from time to time. I, I, I could listen to Rodney Hyde. Maybe but I don't trust Winston as far as you can out. chuck him. Quite agree, Grant. Because no one wants to. No one from our group is prepared to talk to him to um, uh, get him out here because he was meant to be. The story was yesterday that he was in Wellington somewhere. Um, well, let's get him too. Let's well, let's get let's get who? execute that bastard because he caused all this. Mm. He put yeah. her in. He, he, he could have. He, he could have put English no in, and he, got, he chose Winston her. Peters is any kind of legitimate anything. <laughs> He is but. the scumming, scummiest of the scum. And John Wait, Ansell knows. Yeah, John Ansell, for those that don't know who he is, he's a, a former political advertising man. He's an award-winning advertising uh, ad guru. And oh, John yeah. has worked with all of these people, most of these people in this last well, I generation. Went to, I went to see Winston Peters' chief of staff, uh, Clayton Mitchell, before the 19, 2017 election. 
just to confirm what Winston Peters had said and what the, what the caucus of New Zealand First had apparently agreed unanimously to have a, um, a binding referendum on the uh, racist seats. Um, and I was told that they had, yes, they had agreed that was their bottom line and so on. And then I saw Peters coming out of the building as I was going out after an hour of talking to this chief whip. And I went up to him and I said, oh, I've just, just been upstairs to, to confirm that what you meant, that, confirm that you meant what you said. And he said to me, he said, what do you mean do I mean when I say, uh, I've been, I'm the only bastard in Parliament that's been saying this stuff for 30 years and you have the effrontery to say that? And he snorts off, storms off, and I'm smiling as he goes. And I thought, well, that either means yes or it means no. Well, it meant no in the end. It was just his way of blowing me off without actually denying it. No, the guy is is, is, is is as corrupt as any politician before Ardern. And he gave us Ardern because he, he couldn't stand the idea of anointing Bill English because despite the fact that Bill English won the election on a, on a head-to-head basis. That's right. Uh, well, unfortunately, Bill English is capable of great meanness. I've seen it and, and um, seen him do it to other MPs. And, and basically when they kicked Winston Peters out of the National Party in 1990, Mumble, whatever one it was, um, mm. the caucus all wrote, wrote on a piece of paper that he had to leave the room and go. But it was Bill English that went after him to stick the knife in a bit further. So he was never going to go with Winston Peters. It was all about him. It's all about the perks he could extract. It's all about being prime minister for a little while, you know, and getting lots of overseas trips. No, he he is no solution, no mediator. He shouldn't be alive, let alone uh, able to exert any any control. And any idiot who goes, you know, goes with that man. I mean, I mean, you know. Sorry, yeah, but, we've got uh, short memories, haven't we? We don't need to see Winston Peters again. I never want to see him anywhere near any lever of control ever again. He has got us in this mess. That man. I don't want to see any of them. Because the, the stupidest of all been drew breath uh, yeah. as our as our head kindergarten teacher and prime minister and and genocidist, um, he should never be forgiven for that, and he should never have any role ever again in public life. As to who has, as to who would make a good negotiator, I'm struggling to think of one. Who commands the respect? Who among the political class commands? any kind of respect who which judge i can't think of one well i'll tell you someone that's just come to light uh, according to the new zealand herald uh and the the, the newzealandherald.co.nz former act leader rodney hyde backs parliament protest saying the answer is to fight and oh. um in an, op- in an open letter to David Seymour, uh, expressing support for the anti... Uh, sorry, I've lost my, lost my spot here. Um, the well, I do that said, all the time. The, answer, yeah, the letter said the answer to the government's vaccine mandates was to fight and expressed the wish that the protests be more intense given the damage Parliament has inflicted on the people I love and the community of which I am part. Hyde expressed his disappointment with Seymour, who distanced himself from the marches while stressing his be- belief in the right to protest. There you oh, go, Rodney Hyde. That's more Can like we trust Rodney Hyde. Can we trust him? I think if he says if he says that, I think we can. Um, and, no, and he Matt did King. end up he did he did end up running a sort of communist Auckland, having having been the leader of a 
a libertarian party, but you know, I think if he says that, that's fighting talk. That's, that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, muscular talk we need at the moment. I think there's too much lovey-dovey stuff mm. um, that doesn't win. That's that's very nice to keep everybody safe, but it's mm. not the way to win. I, I think. Well, if I we think, know him, if we know him, can we get him on the show and have an interview with him? If you guys must well, know. He, him. he he is a follower of this show, Rodney get him Hyde. On. Mm. We'll have to track him down. This, um, King guy, the guy that used to be yeah. national. He's Matt been King, uh, former policeman. About, um, how they're all sort of um, you can't believe how they're all just blowing everyone off about these things. He's even saying that the anti-vaxxers might be the the minority, but the anti-mandate are the majority. He's coming out and saying that he was going to come down here today. This King guy. What do you reckon about him? Well, Dacre reckons. Talking the he's they're talking the talk. They don't buy it. But you're talking about someone to mediate. You can't get an ex-national MP to mediate with with the Labour and the Greens. Uh, who would mm. I mean? Who would command the respect? I mean, you're talking about an Edmund Hillary type of type of person who's widely adored. Now, who is that person at the moment in New Zealand? Uh, is it a rugby legend? Is it uh, Richie McCaw? A, I don't know. It's a Victoria ah, well, Cross winner during the, the during the, the um, is, uh, that's who it is. It's Willie um, Apiata. That's who would listen. They'd listen to him. Willie Apiata is the most respected man in the country. Has been for the last ten years. I doubt that. He is. But, um, oh well. But he won't speak out. There's talk of mediating in that, but um, how do you mediate this? We want the vax, the, the mandate's gone. How do you mediate around that? Mm. They've just got to stop it. To, that's the, the, that's the, what we're after, and that's what we're, we're not going to stop until we get less. So The so, Governor-General um, needs to dissolve the Parliament and call for new elections. That's what needs to happen. They have, she has the power to do that. Oh, well, she's just yeah, another she's Cindy appointed by Cindy. Well, that's the problem. She's appointed by the Prime Minister. That's exactly what Ricardo Wolsey was asking this afternoon at Canberra, just saying that we are not moving until the parliament is dissolved. I mean, that proposition is is like it's like saying, can we get someone to mediate between Churchill and Hitler? Yeah, I don't think so. This is a win lose. This is a win lose game. It's not a win win. And we also need to be looking. We also need to be looking at what's happening overseas. The countries that have removed the mandates, like UK. It's a case of out of the frying pan into the fire for them now. What now do you mean, got social credit. Uh, okay. So what UK has done is it has stopped the mandates. Everything is gone. And now they've put forward a proposal. The, uh, the case for human rights reforms law in the UK. This is going to be currently under discussion. And if I just go through a, the summary page of it, it says the UK government wants to strengthen its long-standing tradition of protecting human rights. It supports the fundamental rights, but it believes the framework has been deeply flawed. In particular, in the UK, we have seen the growth of a rights culture that has displaced due focus on personal responsibility and public interest. Public protection put at risk by the exponential expansion of rights, and it wants to prevent incremental expansion of rights without democratic oversight and emphasize the role of responsibilities within the human rights framework. This could also result in lesser uh, 
litigation and re reduction in compensation, a cost savings for courts and uh, the public authorities. So what, in effect, it is saying is that human rights need to be now tempered with responsibilities to your wider community. This is a minefield if I ever saw one. I think I was talking to some people today. Um, they were thinking what I was thinking, that we've got to get inside the consciences. We've got to get inside. Oh, sorry. Oh, Jesper, if you could just mute yourself and then unmute yourself to talk. Hmm. You go ahead, John. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not probably being very respectful because I can't necessarily hear too much of, of others. But I just, I, I just want to say, somebody that I, that I walked past was saying exactly what was on my mind, uh, and it's we've got to get inside the consciences of the people who are paid to do the violence for the state. In other words, the police and the army. I think we've had some success with that. The only problem is we don't we don't want the result to be that they resign. We want the result to be that they turn around and arrest Ardern, arrest all those people on the inside of the building instead of protecting them. And that, I think, would be achieved if we could get one of them to step out of line on our side and do something courageous, knowing that they're probably going to leave anyway, make that sacrificial gesture and, you know, like walk up the steps with Brett Power or something like that. Be seen, like the, like the man that stood in front of the tank at Tiananmen Square. It wouldn't be that much of a sacrifice. But show, model, model what a decent policeman would be like to the other policemen so that there's, they are, the other policemen cannot carry on doing what they're doing. And if the army are taking that position on our behalf, then that is fantastic. But I, I think it, it really all depends, as far as I can see, to what, hap to, to what those people do. And so all of our all of our efforts should be uh, to turn those people and appeal to their consciences, which which they still have, and get them to turn on our doing. And then it's game over. Surely that, and it just starts with one. I sort of agree with that, John, because um, if you can take one of them down, the rest open up, and also. Uh, and agreeing with that, if that happens, that you've got these the worry about um, Luxton and all those clowns. But um, if it happens to a Dern, uh, it sets the precedent for if you other fellows go down this lane, the same thing's going to happen to you. We're going to lock you up too. So that might actually pull the brakes on. That's right. Them. It's not going to be a perfect answer. But it's better than having everyone just thinking they can go ahead and do what they want with this country, regardless of the people. It's uh, yeah, I think it's a bad team. situation and very tricky to try. There's no good answer here. We've got no one there to step up to the mark that all of us respect to take on the government's position um, as prime minister with a uh, with their follow uh, with their workers. But if we can get a Dern and some of them, and put them in jail or something, the president said that you cannot do this anymore. If Luxton gets in and he tries it, bang, he's in jail too. Just lock them up. Um.
it will compromise that, isn't it? Yeah, but this is this is sort of a, a short-term cure because it would, in fact, be a cure. If you're going to do this stuff, you're going to get locked up. It's not acceptable we, anymore, and that's the principle we've got to set. Well, they need more than locking up. If they're, if kids are dying, and I have no doubt they are, people are dying and being injured, yeah. that's the death but penalty. If you're going to bring that in, the death penalty back in, then that sets precedent that um, uh, a kill's good for a kill. Well, that's um, biblical. If you shed man's blood, by by man shall your blood be shed. That's a Bible. That's a Bible. Um, I don't disagree with it. Mm. It's just this is the precedent you've the precedent you're going to set. I think it actually works. You know, it's like uh, you cut a hand off a thief, um, and then in those times you had very few thieves. Um, uh, it would set the precedent, but um, you've got to go through and actually make the stuff uh, happen. Um, Man, I think we, we had the death penalty for treason, and that's what's going on here. Let's be yep, about the bush. Uh, but that was changed. Now, I think it was Sir Geoffrey Palmer who yep. changed that. I think he could would see that, that he, would have to, he would probably suffer it if he carried on. Um, well, I think, I think it's a horrible thing. I actually woke up from a dream of Jacinda Ardern being put to death by lethal injection. That was when I was, I was putting out memes showing wolves in sheep's clothing being hanged when the shepherd found them. Uh, you know, from a Rush, from a Soviet English textbook, funnily enough. But uh, I didn't enjoy that dream, and suddenly it, it, it. But suddenly that dream made me realise: oh, obviously lethal injection is the way. But I don't. I hope that never happens. But I think I do think we can use that. That's what I've been doing as a tactic to frighten these buggers, frighten them the way they're frightening us. They're frightening us to death, and they're frightening us out of our jobs. They're frightening us out of our lifestyles. There was a poster today. See if I can bring it back. It, it, it was crumpled, and it was it was it was water waterlogged and crumpled. And I didn't have my my charged phone, but I'd love to have taken a picture of it. I hope it's still there tomorrow. And it said, you know, sorry if you've had to close your business because of the protesters, or you know close early or something but I've lost my job and my home and you know that's that's the emotion that has to come through and if we could get that if we could we could turn one one police officer and say look mate you don't have to be go down in history as a coward that's what I've been saying to them you know how do you want your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children and grandchildren to regard you when the story of the Jacinda side is told. Um, but you don't have to be a coward. You can be a hero. All you have to do is turn around, you know, this sort of thing. The enemy's over there. And if one of them picked up that sort of idea, there'd need to be some s significant thing that they had to do, whether it's walking up the steps with Brett Power or something like that. But they just broke ranks. And then suddenly they're all doing it. Suddenly it becomes cool to break ranks. Suddenly the entire New Zealand police force breaks ranks. <laughs> did you did you guys know that that Costa that Ardern is Costa's uh, is it cousin? I think. That's I thought, something I thought I that boyfriend and girlfriend. Well, I heard that. That seemed too good to be true. <laughs> but I, I in some file that I got sent. Um, it's written up in a formal fashion that uh, they're actually cousins. 
I think it was Cousins. And that's just, uh, you know, that's just nepotism, isn't it? I, one of the people yeah. with the posters yeah. today, one of the people with the poster today uh, quoted the previous police commissioner, Mike Bush, who I understand was well regarded. Um, I know the police were delighted when he was appointed. I think I've got the right one. Uh, and he said basically, and it was in this in this long sign which I photo which I photographed. Um, we take our commission from you. We we take our orders from you, the people, not you know not the governor general, not the government, not the prime minister. From you, the people. We govern. We we do our jobs. We police by your by consent of you. That's what this this former police commissioner had come out and said in so many words. Uh, the public must consent, and uh, it couldn't be more different under the wokester. Is he supposed to be a Christian? Uh, does he? Well, the Pope, you know, the Pope says does he's he take a Christian. His and... Guidance from Jesus Christ, or and does he have another JC, Jiminy Cricket? Yeah. Operating they all say they're Christians. I mean, I was saying to you that last week, I said that when people say, oh, I'm a Christian, well, that word has become so porous to me when I hear yeah. it. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Are you Christian? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see it. Is um, Vax, uh, Vanek's trying to speak, are they? They're asking um, if, if we hear yeah. them. Oh, look, hear. We've, we've got a problem there. Uh, for some reason, uh, I'm inviting you, Ella. And you can't get in. Um, I think she, you, you, you guys see her, don't you, Max? You're seeing her go into the into the yep. um, co-host area. She's, she's written a response yep. there that she wanted something to say, and now she's asking, no. "Do you hear me?" So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to extend this because we're going to be cut off any minute, and I'm going to extend this, and hopefully, and I'll make a new podcast. I, I will invite you, Ella, and um, come back, and, and you can share what it is you want to share. But I'm going to go out now because they're going to chop us off, and I want us to go out. With Grant, yes, I'll, I'll bail out. If, if, I'll bail out because I've got to really drive back. I've sort of parked up. I better drive back, so I'll let someone else in. Yep, the well, zone. The, we're just about to end anyway, so that, okay. you stay there because um, we, we can't take any more people. So I'm going to go out with uh, a former Australian Special Forces Commander, Ricardo Bosi, and uh, we'll see you in a few moments. Just go out, reset, or whatever you have to do. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen of Australia, my name is Ricardo Bosi and I am the national leader of Australia One. In the coming days, weeks and months, disturbing rumours concerning the governance of our country will begin to circulate. These rumours will appear to be so incredible, so unlikely and even so ludicrous that the only sensible response would appear to be to dismiss them out of hand. Some of these rumours will, in time, indeed prove to be false. Unfortunately, some will be true and be prima facie evidence of the despicable crimes of treason and sedition and some even morally worse by those at the highest levels of power in Australia. During this time, it is imperative you monitor closely the responses of those who comprise the polity, the judiciary, the bureaucracy, the military, the constabulary, the corporations, the media, academia and religious organisations. The case can already be made that many of these people are already attainted of treason. But if any remain silent, 
in the face of an obvious attack on Australian sovereignty, they will have signed their own death warrants. Remember them. From the Governor-General and State Governors, through Parliament, through all the courts, including the High Court, through the Public Service, the Defence Force, the Police Forces, the boardrooms, the unions, the charities, the mainstream media, schools and universities, and finally, even the churches, synagogues, mosques, temples, and lodges. Remember their names and who they are. Remember what they said and what they did not say. Remember what they did and what they did not do. Why and how has it come to this? Simply put, for decades now, we have been deceived by those whom we trusted. Slowly, the truth has been revealed by the tireless efforts of a few, and this has been a most difficult task. Some of you will have heard it said, sometimes you can't tell people, you just have to show them. And to put that in the Australian vernacular, some people just need to piss on the electric fence for themselves. Thankfully, enough of us are now awake to the lies and our numbers continue to grow. Faster, every day. So what should we do? Firstly, be calm. Know that we can and will win this war. Secondly, be united. No matter how many they send against us, they cannot defeat 25 million Australians who stand together as one. And simply say, in a clear, strong and unconquerable voice, no consent, no consent, no consent. Thirdly, be brave. Some of us might be hurt and some of us might die. But if we truly seek liberty, we must win it for ourselves. Nothing worth winning is won cheaply. Fourthly, be good. We the people must win this war with non-violent, non-cooperation. Because the manner of our victory is of foundational importance to the future of Australia as a nation state. We must win this war with such moral authority that we are able to win the peace that follows. Finally, when all is done, the guilty will be punished. We will deal with the traitors in a lawful manner, which after the reprehensible, coordinated malfeasance and violence that they have visited upon us, that would be more than they deserve. And we will do this because we, the common people of Australia, are and have always been so much more than the elites. We are better than they are. We have not and we will not sacrifice our decency and our humanity to win this war as they have done. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to enter a period of history without precedent. A war for the world. And we, you and I, are on the front line. Be calm, be united, be brave, and be good. And finally, remember that we fight, as G.K. Chesterton wrote, not because we hate what is in front of us, but because we love what is behind us. Thank you.